Are there lines that artists shouldn't cross when it comes to what they depict in art? We discuss this and more with special returning guest, Spencer Fulmar, in this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, professional, opinionated introvert. And with me, as always, is my endearingly edgy co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and this is going to be all month, guys. I'm really sorry. Author of the new book, now available, Finding God in Hollywood. Which you can buy wherever you buy your books. Uh, go get one uh, sooner rather than later, because I'm not going to stop this until you do. <laughs> this will be plugged on every episode for the next three years, unless you go get a copy. But this is my story of Hollywood and how faith and movies and stories intertwine. I want you to get a copy, but that's my third thing again. Yes. And it if will be it, another few times. <laughs> if anybody starts to get suspicious that the reason that we're doing so many movie and art related topics at this time may have something to do with his book, just to know we don't like conspiracy theorists here. Also, you're 100% right. It mostly right. has to do with <laughs> it being the Oscar movie March yes. month. Yes. So that's what it mostly has to do with. And a little bit of uh, Nathan's self-promotion. Um, yeah, just a little bit. Allow me to put on my skepticals. In any case, okay, we, 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 we have to get on this because we have a great guest. Uh, he is an award-winning filmmaker of multiple features, including Generational Sins and Shooting Heroin. He has been featured in The Hollywood Reporter, The LA Times, The New York Post, Newsweek, and more, most notably for being the first Christian filmmaker to have swearing in his films. He is the founder of Hard Faith Films, which specializes in making grittier movies of faith, and is the owner and head talent manager of American Talent Management. He is also producing and directing a new film, Bright Sky, with a very own Nathan Clarkson. He is the stunning, the sensational, the sacrilegious Spencer Fulmar. Spencer, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Joseph. What a great introduction. It, yeah, I'm, I need to bring you with me everywhere I go. <laughs> I, my uh, my rates are entirely unreasonable, but I will take uh, you up on that. Yes, I believe it. To be to be fair, a lot of that was written by Nathan. So like, you know, you, you, you've got a really good, some t really good fun guys in your corner. Heck I'm really yeah. good at writing bios. It's just kind of what I do. I love it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we're excited to talk today with you in particular about whether and when art causes harm, when artists cross the line and responsibilities artists have to not do harm with their art. But first, Nathan, if people enjoy our discussion and want to engage with more of our content and meet fellow overthinkers like themselves, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and send us all of their love and hate mail. They can also go to the online private Facebook group where you have over 10,000 overthinkers like yourself Woo! having fun, getting discussions, and mostly posting memes. And if you do enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a review. It really does help us so very much. And we share with a friend. <laughs> we are really both doing radio voice today. I know I fall into like I've said this a million times, so I'm trying to change it up with my inflection just to get people to uh, to actually listen because they're definitely tuning out at that point. I tune out, I tune in, I tune about, I tune to in. Oh uh, well, they're not going to turn out during this discussion. See what I did there? Nice segue. Exactly. Yes. Nice. All right. So, um, uh, ready to get started? Let's do it. Oh yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> 
People have been warning about the harms of art for thousands of years. Plato famously warned wanted poets banned in his ideal city. God in the Bible banned idols to other gods. Today, many different groups argue against the harms they believe that various forms of art cause. Parents worry about their children watching sex violence and swearing in movies, or being supposedly brainwashed into political ideologies they don't approve of. Politicians have long blamed video games whenever there's a mass shooting. Activists and journalists decry how the stereotyping of minorities and women per 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 perpetuates racism and sexism. F feminists and Christians warn about how porn warps the brain and, and perpetuates sexual violence. And people often want books banned but from various groups and various things, even things like Harry Potter. For these groups, art has an incredible ability to shape what people believe and do, with simply portraying something oftentimes having the power to make people imitate it. Whether or not something should be portrayed in art and how, according to this view, should be based on whether or not it does harm. Many are, in fact, also, there's a great deal of controversy around what could possibly harm the people who are making the art, as is done with a lot of women coming out uh, against being made to pose nude. On the other hand, uh, filmmakers, many artists and critics push back, protesting restrictions on the kind of art they make, and uh, the idea that we can't make real art without portraying real things in art, which often involves ugly things. And we can't portray the truth, portray the truth about the world. Man, my, I keep spitting over my words today, which is the job of art in the first place. The artist's job is to be authentic to himself or herself and share the world as they see it without restriction. That is that view. Spencer, you have made a name for yourself making R-rated movies in the faith-based film space, which you may have noticed is not really part of the thing you do. In that role, you've argued passionately how artists, even Christian artists, should have the freedom to portray the R-rated nature of our world. But are there lines that you think artists shouldn't cross? If so, what are they and how do you determine them? Great discussion, great dialogue. I think it's a difficult thing to talk about. And I would say that the way I'd respond to this question and, and this conversation, I'd say is a lot of theory and also a lot of theology because... Mm. The, the heart position I'm coming from, especially for Christian artists, is that I believe Christian artists are already unduly burdened by mm. trying to please, you know, the church ladies, their pastor, their Bible school professors, Sunday school teachers. And so they already have a tremendous guilt complex about what mm. they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do, which is ironic um, in some ways and sad because... Christ takes the yoke off of our backs and it gives us less burden, should give us less burden, and we should be free to create and express ourselves in a way that glorifies God. And that's kind of the rub. That's the catch. The man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, which if you're enjoying God, you're often glorifying him. And I would say the same is true for a Christian artist. So this dialogue, this discussion we're about to have, most of my comments about it are more theories because I don't want to tell anyone, most mm. especially Christian artists, what they can and can't do or shouldn't do, because I believe everyone has a conscience and everyone's led by the Holy Spirit differently. And so I have been so led to include language that people use in the real world to depict realistic characters in very dark situations like generational sins with child abuse and alcoholism like shooting heroin about the opioid epidemic, it would be for me 
um, not being true to my conscience if I edited out cuss words just because it made some people feel comfortable whenever people should actually be uncomfortable about these travesties happening every day. Um, and so whether it's nudity or language or violence, if there is a reason behind the artist putting it in there and not just to be gratuitous, but if there's a reason for some of this more mature content, I am in theory in favor of it. Um, and I absolutely don't want to further burden and restrict the Christian artists from expressing themselves because the world is extremely messy and it's much worse than anything we can depict on screen. Um, and yet I don't think people should be gratuitous either. That's This is really interesting. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I'm gonna give a little backstory to uh, the listeners about how we actually know each other. I, I had just moved back to LA and uh, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of questions, right? From, from people who have followed my journey or read my books, uh, which is basically, okay, you're a Christian and you want to be an actor. Well, if you want to do that, why would you go to Hollywood where all the, the bad people are? And I'll tell you <laughs> like, why. Like Spencer. Yeah, yeah like exactly. Me. Like Spencer. <laughs> Spencer's one of the bad people, just so everyone knows. I am. <laughs> And so, but I, I moved to Hollywood uh, because partly because I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be in the capital of story making because I love stories. That's my calling. But partly because I had seen Christian movies. I'd seen the movies Christians were making. And, you know, the suggestion of many people I've spoken to is you should just go and be in those Christian movies, move to, I don't know, wherever The Chosen is being made and just be an actor there. Then you won't have to deal with the messy world of, you know, those, those secular Hollywood out there. And, but so I, I watched Christian movies and that's why I didn't go and just make Christian movies because I, I noticed in Christian movies um, that they were anesthetized, that they were tepid and that they didn't actually deal with the realities of the painful and broken and dark world that I had experienced myself. So the, the art coming out of Christian culture, and by the way, this is kind of across the board. This was, mm -hmm. it wasn't being dealt with in the books. It wasn't being dealt with in the music. It was just all upbeat worship music. It wasn't being dealt with in the films that there was this kind of resoluteness to avoid and ignore the difficult and uh, and even disgusting and messy, like as you said, Spencer, parts of the world, which to me means their art is going to have nothing, no no chance to actually affect or, um, or, or speak to those places and, and that people experience and exist in, the ones that I've existed in, the darkness that I have felt. And so I wanted to be part of stories that actually connected with, displayed, and talked about, and touched on these issues that I think all of us will face, the brokenness in the world. So that's why I moved to LA. And I, but I also found conversely on the other side in LA, there was this, um, there was, uh, it was on a different side of a spectrum where hmm. it was, hey, let's show all the dis disgusting stuff. Let's do all the disgusting things in the darkness of the world. Let's add to the brokenness of the world hmm. and let's revel in it. And let's do it because it makes a buck. Let's do it because it's fun, because no one's telling us not to. And so I found myself in this really difficult place in between my faith and my desire to tell true and authentic stories. And um, one day, as I sit in my apartment in, in Hollywood, I, I looked, I, I, I saw, an, I think it was an article on my on Facebook and that someone had posted, and it was about this crazy young filmmaker who made a <laughs> Christian movie with the F-bomb in it. And I said, I gotta meet this guy. Cause especially when I read his reasons, he wasn't just throwing in curse words because he wanted to cause a stir. Now, listen, you sure did, 
but you you put curse words in your movies because it was depicting real people and how real people talked and what the real world is like. That is an honest thing to do. And I think Christians ought to be honest. And so that's initially, I reached out and we connected. That's initially where we connected. Um, and that's why I respect your work. And that's why I, we're making a movie together now. Um, but yeah, we are. <laughs> speaking of the movie we're making, this is interesting to me. We, we have gone back and forth. You know, you know, I've made mostly faith-based, family-friendly movies. You've made uh, mostly just, you know, terribly uh, awful, disgusting, <laughs> curse-filled, violent movies. I'm kidding. You've made very good movies. Um, but we're making this movie that is weirdly trying to ride this line, right? Because this movie deals with real dark issues. It deals with a woman caught in sexual servitude. It caughts with deep depression. It, caught, it uh, deals with murder. It deals with um, uh, fatherlessness. It deals with a lot of these really big, heavy issues, but we're also trying to make this movie in a way that you can watch it and it's going to um, not be exploitative of either the the uh, the actors who are portraying these things. Um, it's not going to be a stumbling block for the people viewing them, and it's ultimately going to uh, not be exploitative of just the subjects themselves. We're not just, uh, you know, putting in dark subject matter to get people titillated or interested. We're doing it so we can explore, bring light, and hopefully hope to these dark kind of things. So that's where I, that's where I kind of exist, which is there's this big spectrum of art, right? And on one side you have, um, if you show a collarbone, you are, you know, uh, sinning and if you say even so much as darn it or shoot you are basically that's not a christian and then you have the other side that's you know we have the human centipede which is let's make this kind of stuff that is disgusting um just because we can essentially let's mm -hmm. let's revel in the dark and so if anyone listens to me and knows kind of knows my philosophy you know that i'm annoyingly this person who believes doesn't always practice but believes in the balance of the world, mm. the balance that God has designed the world with. And so I find that the truth doesn't typically lay on either end of the spectrum. The truth, in my experience, typically lays right in this difficult, gray, tension-filled, I'm using all the words that one uses now, uh, <laughs> nuanced, uh, <laughs> honest <laughs> middle. But authentic. I do authentic, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Raw. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's kind of where I'm coming from. And so for me as a filmmaker, I'm trying to figure out how do I explore deep, dark, real things that most Christian filmmakers don't? Um, because I want my movies to affect and bring hope and redemption of those things. But how do I do it in a way that is ultimately beneficial to both the viewer and the people making it? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm, <clears throat> I think a lot of us sort of are on that same page. Like we want to deal with really, you know, honest subjects in a, um, but in a way that is respectful. Um, and and that is consistent with our values. I think, you know, there I like you thinking, listening to you, I was sort of thinking like there's, you know, you it seems like everybody wants to be either La La Land or Babylon. You know, either yes. everything is everything is too rosy. And it's not realistic and it's yeah. not real or you revel in the the dirt and the grime. And of course, people listening, you know, um, who are maybe new to our channel, we are certainly coming at this from a particular perspective because all of us grew up in the Christian community and you know, one of the stories that I really like to repeat is, and this is sort of one of the better Christian films, but I can only imagine, you know, you watch that film and, you know, you have this uh, child who has an abusive father, except you don't know that the dad is as bad as he actually was in real life. He was based on a true story. You know, you don't know how physically abusive he was because they never show it and they never even actually, um, 
use a clever way of letting us know how bad he was. And every person mm. who I talked to afterwards is mm. like, I would have loved that movie so much more because the dad goes through a redemption story. Mm-hmm. I would have loved that story so much more if I knew how bad he was, because that's the point of Christianity is that mm-hmm. how bad we are, how much the broken world needs to be redeemed. And then the amazingness of God being able to do that. So one Amen. of the problems, so we're, we are, I grew up in this place where we're caught when see the harm of censoring things so much Mm. that you actually lose the power of what you're saying. That really does happen. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of people, Christians who say that doesn't happen. You can do everything without showing stuff. And it's like, it's just not true. And you see it because we've seen all the stuff that Christians make. Um, And how ineffectual it it often is in actually addressing anything. On the other, and like you said, on the other hand, um, we have seen, you know, you know, we have seen examples of all seen examples of movies where we'd say they've crossed the line. And mm-hmm. we've also, and this is sort of on the secular side, there's been this sort of reckoning over time of things that have been shown on film that have been shown through studies that have actually done harm. Certainly, you know, racial stereotyping and uh, sexist and objectifying depictions of women have been something that in the secular world, they've been, there's been a reckoning of, you know, of women who watch the films feeling objectified by the way that and feel the way other men treat them because of how it's shaped how men look at them um i through the porn industry or movies or things like that and um and so you know as a christian as this is the where i go say as an artist i feel like in the second world particularly what they get wrong is they don't think that morality applies to artists mm. that somehow when you mm. become an artist you have a relationship with your audience. You have a relationship with the people you're working with. And suddenly when you become an artist, you don't have an obligation to love your neighbor, even if mm. the neighbor is not, um, is, is an audience, if there's a screen in between. And, mm. and as like, no, you're an artist, you know, I mean, and uh, Leo Tolstoy actually in his book, what is art kind of dealt with that is like how it's like people will, will, will abuse and be abused in the artistic industry for the sake mm-hmm. of art, because it's that important. And he's sort of asking, okay, well, what is art if it's that important? But he's mm-hmm. saying that that's something toxic about that. So as an artist, I'm really trying to wrestle very seriously with, and I appreciate so where you were coming from Spencer, that he's like, look, we already have too much guilt in the Christian community on this. So, you know, I, I don't think we'll have much trouble not swinging too wildly in the other direction, which is a, <laughs> which is fair and a fair pastoral way to, to look at it. But from my perspective, I kind of try to say, I think for me, it's more helpful if I know, if I have a, a, a rubric for deciding where I think I've probably gone too far. For me, that gives me more freedom to um, to explore, to go, to push things boundaries. If I know that, okay, if I'm not doing this, I can probably push this thing farther and it's okay. So I, I, I you know, we could discuss more where we think those lines are, but that's sort mm. of where I try to go both as a Christian and as an artist in this space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say my my response is more pastoral because I just am very cautious about people listening to this, especially Christians that have sure. maybe a soft, weak kind of conscience, and they're yeah. still maybe new in their faith or spiritual mm-hmm. milk, so they're still developing what they think is right and what they think is wrong. Now, I have been wrestling with, wrestle with daily what I believe as an artist and as a Christian what I can and what I should not mm. depict. Um, mm. and, I, and I think it's tough because generally speaking, besides the film that kicked it all off, which would be The Passion, 
Um, generally <laughs> speaking, faith-based films are synonymous with family-friendly. So yep. even like I Can Only Imagine, you're so right. It's like it's censored to a degree. And it's like, how far can you censor a true story before it's no longer true? Yeah. Um, and also, why are Christians so hell-bent on making the world look not as bad as it is, or their main characters, or even their antagonists not as bad, bad as it is? Because, I mean, that's the crux of our entire religion, is that the world was so horrific and X-rated that Christ had to die a bloody death because our sins were that heinous. My sins were that heinous. Yeah. So it, it's antithetical to the gospel. And so sadly, just because of the nature of the marketplace and everything yeah. that happened after the passion and people trying to make money, um, the entire faith-based film art industry became family-friendly only. Yeah. So it was like Disney with Jesus versus Disney with whatever. Right. <laughs> Whatever Pop Disney it. believes in, yes. Hey, whatever <laughs> Disney believes in. We've got to have money. Um, which seems to change yearly. But uh <laughs> so, and and I think that makes sense from a marketplace and a commercial point of view. But again, like as an artist, which I think um an artist calling is a unique calling to be honest, even whenever um it paints you or others in a bad light, to be brutally honest. Um I'm I'm sad that there's not more faith films yeah. that are uncensored because yeah. me, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't know the whole faith-based industry existed. I didn't convert to Christianity till 21. The faith films were so irrelevant that I never even heard of them besides the passion. Hmm. So I didn't know this whole industry existed. And then after I converted and learned that this industry existed, I realized, well, why no one outside the few <laughs> heard of it because it was mostly garbage. And completely irrelevant. I, like as a 21-year-old male adult, I nothing at all related to me in any of the Kendrick brothers or any of those films. Like I, I wasn't playing high school football anymore. I didn't care if I prayed to some god to win the football game. None of that stuff mattered to me. What I was trying to deal with is things that typical young males deal with. And I, I learn by watching films. I learn by seeing other people make sense of their lives through yeah. storytelling. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a huge opportunity uh, and a wasted opportunity for Christian artists to speak bluntly today in today's world with all of our complications and politics and gray morality to speak about what it's like to live a life of faith in an R-rated world. And I don't see much of that art. So I try to create that art and I try and create art with other artists that are trying to create that art. But there's not that much. I mean, it's not a it's not a genre. It's not a marketplace. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of money to go around. But I think it's a great mission field. Yeah, this is interesting. It's so your your approach and your career, your desire, your story as a filmmaker has been seeing this place in the marketplace, mm -hmm. not even just a marketplace, really in the world and culture. And you're saying, I came to faith, and you know, obviously, if you if you accepted and, and came. To be a person of faith, you believe that um, it, it's something you love and you want to share. And you looked at the artists in the faith-based community and their art was being totally ineffectual to someone like you had been just a few years ago. And you said, I want to change this. And your main diagnosis is that the art was ineffectual because it was scared to portray, to show any of the kinds of things that you were dealing with or that most people deal with, any kind of the darknesses that actually faith would have something to say about. And so you're coming to this 
as someone who's experienced that life outside of Christianity. And you were saying, I was in that time in one of these films, you being a film lover should have reached me and should have touched me and should have inspired me. And it didn't. And because you were so scared to betray something, to explore something, to be honest about the darkness in the world, you almost didn't get me. And so that's an really interesting, very personal. Thank you for sharing that uh, yeah. kind of insight into why you have such a passion to have your films be be honest and, and portray these really difficult, dark things. For me, I I always come back to this this difficult line where I'm I'm 100 with you. I, I see that everyone who tells me to either watch the Chosen or watch <laughs> the newest Irwin Brother movies. Or, and by the way, I love The Chosen. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a great, well-made show. We're having Dallas Jenkins on. He's amazing. So it's not about that, but I just noticed that everyone who watches every single of the big, quote-unquote, big Christian releases, they're already Christians. They're already yeah. people who believe. They're already in the fold. So it, it, these are choir movies, right? Mm -hmm. These are, by that, I mean preaching the choir movies. Um, and, and I agree with your assessment that a big part of that is because they're so scared to portray anything wrong. Now, on the other side of this, having lived as an actor in Hollywood, particularly, mm, yeah. um, I have seen, and, and just known people, I have seen there have been um, movies, and, and I can speak especially for maybe, let's say, young men. There have been movies with depictions of things, with desensitization, desensitization, boy, that's a tough word to say, um, <laughs> of, of um, things. Uh, there are films that portray things in such a glorifyingly evil or, or, or celebratory of darkness way that I've seen it affect uh, particularly young men in really, really difficult and damaging ways. And uh, particularly like, uh, as Joseph pointed out, like depictions of women, right? Depictions mm -hmm. of sexuality and nudity and things like that, um, even rape. Um, you know, I, I can see, and this is anecdotal, though I'm sure there are some studies out there, uh, kind of, I can see direct link to how people I've known, how they look at women because they've been informed by how movies portrayed them as objects, as things to use, as things to win, as trophies or whatever it is. And I, I would see and listen to how they spoke about love and spoke about sex and spoke about um, uh, women in particular, and you could tie a direct line to their favorite movies that was informing their uh, their understanding of, and they this was an oh this was okayed in their minds because of the depictions that they saw on screen. Mm. Um, and you and we we have you know at least a little bit of anecdotal evidence, even uh, studied evidence that you have that um, that. You know, you look at like the shooter in um, in Aurora, right? That, and by the way, this is not on Christopher Nolan at all. But it is interesting how many shooters have had deep allegiances to really, really vile, um, villainous characters, and mm. they'll even claim are the inspiration for their um, uh, their their terrible deeds. Now, that's not to say that it's necessarily the filmmaker's fault, but I do think that shows us how powerful art can be in what we show and how we talk about things. So again, I come back to this thing where it's like, it's really tough because I, I think most artists, as you pointed out, Joseph, is we don't want the responsibility, right? Yeah. We don't want, we want to be able to make what we make. And if you get mad at it, you're either stupid or wrong, as opposed to 
I think, um, Joseph, you, we were talking the other day and you said something really interesting about how you wanted to- I usually do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a really special day. Uh, unlike most days I talked to Joseph. And there came a day unlike any other. Um, but you, you said something about um, how you wanted to not be a part of noise as an artist, just putting yeah. the noise out there. You wanted to be a part of making the world a more beautiful place. Yeah. And so I know that's a little, the uh, you know, theoretical as, as yeah. Spencer said, it's a little out there, but that guides me as I make films. Yeah. And then I'll, I will say just real quickly on one side of the thing that you, you won't probably ever in my movies see depictions of nudity or sexuality, mm, yeah. not because I'm a prude, um, but well, because, not just because he's a prude. Not just because I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a prude. Just you know, just the godly amount that God asked. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> but the reason is because I've known actresses and I've lived yes. in Hollywood and known them for a decade and a half now, and mm. I've met many actresses who have done um, both love scenes in, and by the by that I mean um, um, nude scenes in indie films all the way up to Oscar yeah. nominated films. And, and, mm -hmm. uh, and I've seen, and never have I talked to someone where they didn't regret it. And I've had mm -hmm. lots of conversations. And then you read all the articles about uh, the women who, you know, even Jennifer Lawrence saying, I, I had to get drunk for every love scene. If you have to get drunk to perform your job, there, there might be something wrong with what, what's going on. And so I also don't just look at how the art affects the audience, because I think that's important. Yes. I also want to look at how the art is affecting the people who are making the art, because as yes. Christians, we believe we are art. We are created in the image. Ooh. And so if you cannot be destructive to a piece of art to create your art, because even if you want to argue that art is the most valuable thing, which is fine, well, at the end of the day, if we are art, we cannot destroy the things making the art. So... To me, if there's anything that harms the people making it or harms the people watching it, and like you said, brings more ugliness or into the world, then it's wrong. And now Christians are under this false assumption, as long as it have, doesn't have that, it's good and it'll effective. <laughs> so yeah. that, that's the tension I keep on striking. I wish I had, you know, clear lines and things to say, but that's, I'm still stuck in this tension. No, absolutely. And I'll, I'll say I've here, here's. I'll I'll give some people some who are really upset that we're not getting hard lines here. I'll give okay. some like not hard lines, but like guidelines of sort of I've been thinking about. You started on it, Nathan, because you know it's like if it does harm, and you have to kind of you know uh, parse that out a little bit because you can say like, well, how much of the harm that's done can be legitimately you know connected to the to the artist or not? But yeah. you know if if again, being an artist doesn't make you stop being a person, and as a person, you have you know, moral obligations. And that moral obligation is, you know, to love God or love and love others and to do stuff that helps and doesn't harm. And so what I always go to is, okay, do we have evidence that certain things cause harm or don't we? And, you know, so there's been a lot of like studies about like harmful effects of art or not. So like, you know, the classic thing is, you know, do video games cause violence? There's, you know, you can look at a Guardian article that does a, like a, a mass of all these different studies as said, playing video games doesn't lead to violent behavior. Again, a mass of like thousands of studies. People have been trying to prove a link between violence and video games for decades. And the conclusion is, no, video games do not lead to violence. Now, um, uh, violent depictions yeah. in movies can potentially uh, increase aggression in children. 
Um, and it, but aggression is like, okay, what is that? It, it can agree slightly, but it really, there's, um, was it, uh, Oxford criminology, uh, article about this, which I'll link in the description. You know, he talks about like, but the link between aggression and, and, uh, violence on screen is, is pretty clear for children, but not so much for adults and criminality, actual violence. So like, you know, it doesn't seem to, but with something like porn, you know, we do have a lot of evidence of the harm that things like porn viewing it and participating in it. So it's kind mm -hmm. of fun. So I kind of give a little bit more of a pass to how much violence is in something than something like whether it depicts nudity or, or, or explicit sexuality, because again, we actually have evidence that, you know, um, things as closer you get to porn, the worse it is for both the people making it and the people doing it. And which is kind of funny because Americans and Christians are often made fun of for giving more of a pass for violence like Passion of the Christ or Hacksaw Ridge and not so much for sexuality. Um, but that actually does follow the evidence a little bit better. So I kind of so the other thing and this is what I'll say is like I where the other place. So what I do is like it's a spectrum. It's not a hard line. It's a spectrum. But the closer you get to depictions of dehumanizing people in ways which mm -hmm. violence does um mm -hmm. how much do you portray that in a way that's fun and kind of trivializing in a sort of quentin tarantino sense the closer you get to that the more you have to justify it the closer you get to something that's explicit sexuality the more you have to justify it um and also here's the other thing is not just what's portrayed but how it's portrayed and this is something i've talked about in the horror episodes we've done which is that um what you call it where is the moment of catharsis in your films? That's yeah, that moment where it's the moment where there's been tension and then you get a release of satisfaction and endorphins because, you know, the day has been saved or whatever. You know, it's that moment of satisfaction in a movie that you have. There are movies that will make that moment of satisfaction something evil. And there's movies mm -hmm. that will make that, you know, moment of satisfaction something good. So I always, you know, do the difference between a good horror film, which is, you're happy when they escape the monster and, you know, a Friday the 13th film where there are literally, you know, um, what you call it? A uh, 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 YouTube rankings of the best and coolest you know, Jason kills. And it's just, you know, and it's that to me is where things cross a line. So I guess where, where I say is like, mm. all these things have a cost and the most, the closer you get to those things, um, the, the more you have to justify it. Um, and, uh, and what's the, and finally, and it has to be evidence-based. So if there's evidence that it causes harm, you go, you go, uh, try to step away from that. And that's where I kind of try to use as a rubric for myself. Um, but, and again, but you, as you point out, Nathan, it's not just the audience, it's the crew. And this is actually something where people are a little bit better about realizing, you know, you don't be a David uh, 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 David O. Russell and like yell at your crew members. Like it's like and yes, and Spencer. <laughs> yeah, Nathan. <laughs> and like it, if you're abusive to people on set, this is another thing. This is sort of what um Leo Tolstoy was talking about, where he's like people will abuse and allow themselves to be abused for the sake of art and mm. allow image bearers to be. And it's like that's not worth it. That's not. Mm. It's art is not actually worth harming the art that we are that god has made so those are some of the ways that i kind of try to ride that line but again it's very tricky because like you know there are ways where i'm trying to describe how you know my male sexuality kind of uh, operates and how it you know caused me to think about and like and 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 you know and i was like how do i portray that in a way that doesn't 
um, you know, doesn't cross a line. And that's, that's, that's then do what male sexuality does. Exactly. Yes. Objectify women. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, uh, so that's, so I, that's a very tricky, tricky thing for me. And, um, so, but I think it's, it's a line, it's a, it's a, it's a struggle worth having, I guess I would say, is I found the struggle mm -hmm. of trying to do that line worth having. So does that make, make sense to you Spencer is there anything you would subtract or add from that or do you have a further kind of on Maya and Nathan's comments well and I have a question for Spencer yes uh you being on the side of let's get raw let's show it let's do that do you think there is art that has harmed because of its depictions of whatever these things by the way audience you'll notice that we're not talking about cursing if you get squeamish at cursing uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you, you know, you, you sh if you're older than 16 or, you know, 13, literally guys, come on. So we're talking about, you know, big, big kid stuff here. You're playing with the big boys now. <laughs> um, so, um, but Spencer, I'm curious, along with those questions, add pushback, but do you think that there has been or is art that hurts the viewer and or the people making it? Yeah, I, this is a really complex subject, and I'm also really, really glad that we have uh, graduated from dealing with curse words and we're dealing with real issues. Time, I have a lot of haters, um, but yeah. So, um, Joseph, you were talking about like the different studies, you know, video game, I've always heard that, and I'm familiar too with the Garden article that kind of disproved that. And then Nathan brought up the movie, theater shooting, um, and I'm I'm probably unique personally. This isn't for general audiences, but I'm probably unique where I have been I, I personally, I think, more um disturbed by violence than nudity mm. uh in in films that I've seen in theaters. So I'm not talking about the porn industry, but I'm talking about like an R-rated movie. Right. If if I see an like a bare breast or if I see someone's head explode, I'd much, much always have always will much rather see a bare breast than like the the number one thing i've never been able to tolerate even before i was a christian is cruelty hmm. because these are eternal souls and lives and whenever they're just wiped out in mass it is extremely disturbing to me like <laughs> i pray still to forget movie scenes from films i saw as a kid that were of people dying in cruel ways mm. because it's just a tremendous sadness and we're laughing about it and it's, you know, a PG 13 rating. Mm. So I think the whole industry of art today for sensationalism, 24 hour news is a very violent mm. and um, destructive um, visual experience for young people, people of all ages, you know, America, always leads in gun violence and mass shootings. There's something fundamentally broken about our relationship with violence and cruelty. Even I would go so far as making, you know, the the political discussion of today of pro-life and pro-choice. I think there's just a real disconnect with human dignity mm -hmm. and what a soul is worth versus seeing someone's upper chest where in other countries that means nothing so obviously it's not a universal standard so i'll i'll say that violence is much more offensive to me and much more damaging to me than nudity um 
I know that nudity, especially porn, has horrible effects on people and the relationships with the other gender and especially developing men's relationship with their sexuality. And so it's a huge issue, but I've seen pornographic scenes in movies like Babylon, mm -hmm. and I'd prefer not to see it because it's just gross and disgusting. Um, but it, it doesn't keep me up at night. Um, this is, this is really interesting because really, you know, when we talk about this, what can you show in uh, what your artist show or not? We're really talking about violence and sex. I mean, sure. yeah. really, let's let's boil it down here. We, we're through cursing. We're big kids. We can hear a word, guys. Um, we're talking about violence and sex, and these, which is just really interesting because those seem so polar opposite, right? Yeah. Um, violence <laughs> is this dehumanizing, destructive thing that is harming and or destroying uh, an image bearer, like you mentioned. And then you have sex, which is through it is the creation of life. And so you have these two things, again, on opposite spectrums. Um, and can I, I totally- Can I jump in? Yeah, it's please, interesting please. as you bring this up, the dichotomy between the two, because the issue I believe happens, and this is just, you know, spitballing right now. But I think the issue is, is that whenever violence becomes sexy, it's an issue. Whenever you glorify violence in a sexual way, like not Hacksaw Ridge, not defending honor, not saving, you know, yeah. or freeing an oppressed people- because violence, unfortunately, will always exist in our world. But also, whenever sex becomes violent and rape or abuse, mm. that's also whenever the line is crossed. Because sex is a gift; mm. it's beautiful. Okay, so that's a, that's romance. an interesting line. A kind of like no, a he does. Out. We found Spencer's finish real quick. So the the interesting thing about that that's that's a really interesting um, insight, and we we got you. We got you to find your line. <laughs> I knew it happened. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's an invisible uh, line. <laughs> it's invisible. Yeah, you got to feel it. It's nuanced. You know, uh, it's complicated. Maybe it is my line. <laughs> yeah. But so my thing is interesting. When it comes to violence and sex, one, you're right. I am far more disturbed when I see a, a head blow up on screen than I am a breast, right? Mm. And um, hopefully everyone is. Um, that should be a natural thing. So, but my thing is one, I think that perhaps violence does affects the viewer in a more destructive and long lasting way. If you get desensitized to these grotesque, mm -hmm. uh, torturous depictions of the, the, the human, the image bearers mm -hmm. of God being uh, disrespected and destroyed, that's a bad thing. And so I think violence is terrible often for the, depending on, you know, what context and all that, but I think it can be really destructive for the viewer watching violence. But the reality is I've been behind the scenes on violent movies, um, like The Purge, first, mm. first movie I was ever in, The Purge. No one was actually harmed. It was all fake blood. And while the viewer might suffer a consequence, the actor did not. It was, I, I, in fact, mm -hmm. I was, um, End of the Purge ends on a shot of me dead. Guess what? I, I had a bunch of like fake blood dripped over me and um, and it wasn't real as we all know. So the conversely, um, I don't think anyone's typically, I'm not saying across the board, typically disturbed by a vision of a naked person. But I do know the destruction that happens very often to the person who who is, asked, pressured, coerced, whatever it might be, or felt, um, or just regretted later having done that scene. So you have these two different destructive elements that mm. took place. 
for the violence, it's the viewer, not for the, the actor. The actor didn't die. They're fine. It's fake bullets, fake blood. For the for the nudity and sexuality, it's actually the person who is portraying it. It's the actor, mm. maybe not even the audience. So that's an interesting just kind of uh, flip side for me as I'm thinking about. I will, I'll also push back a little bit, you know, on the cultural contextual side, because a lot of these studies I'm talking about, about the, you know, effects of, of porn and the effects of violence are cross-cultural studies. So, you know, the, mm. you know, again, so, and and we can have a discussion on nudity versus, mm. uh, versus pornographic um, imagery. Mm -hmm. And, but even like, even places that are like, they don't act like a, you know, um, uh, seeing, you know, like seeing a breast is a big deal. Those tend to be places that are also would have what we call an even more kind of trivializing idea of sex in general um, than we would think is probably probably good. I mean, you know, the you know, play like the a lot of I saw a lot of places that were like the places that were most against the countries that were most against the Me Too movement, you know, were places that were where, you know, nudity was more was more permissive and allowed. So I don't I I don't think it's as culturally specific as people like to make it out to be. I think it is somewhat, but I think, you know, man creates culture before culture creates man. And so I, my point is, if porn is harmful, if we know porn is harmful cross-culturally, anything that gets too close to that is going to, the close you get to that is going to be problematic. Now, I think you're right. There's something about nudity might be a distinction, but um, but that would be my sort of pushback on that. Okay, well, do you have a final question, Nathan? I mean, you, you can respond, but before we wrap up, Oh, no, I just want to hear Spencer's uh, okay. his final thing. And I just want to glow one more time. We got him to draw. Yeah, no, but, but I think I'll say this. You're, you're, I, th I will say this about the, you, making violence sexy and sex violence in some way, even if it's just kind of dehumanizing in some way. It's like, that is a really good line that people can take to the bank, I think is really good. But anyway, yeah, so, yeah. I think that's really good. So uh, respond to us and then wrap up. Yeah, um, I had, I'd written some notes. Um, one example, I mean, I just think it's a- it's I a love a person who has notes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a really difficult conversation and there's a lot of different facets of it. Yes. So we've talked about video games, yeah. talked about TV. We've talked about being on set, the experiences of the actors and actresses and the experience of the audience. And two, I think at the end of the day, whether it's the audience member, you know, who likes horror and isn't offended or the audience member that like myself that, is just what for whatever reason is just very disturbed by it. Um, because you're a better it, person than all of us. That's it, we understand. Most, yes. Mostly, yeah. <laughs> but but it really is just a personal decision, and so mm -hmm. that's why I don't like rules. Even like I had a film festival once, and it was no, there's no rules in art. Um, and that's obviously a very summation sentence that isn't actually accurate, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, even in film school, I remember I went to NYU and I was a pretty recent convert and there was a student film um, that I was a part of and I was supposed to be the cinematographer and it was a kind of an atheistic um, reinterpretation of the Garden of Eden. And oh, so interesting. Yeah. And everyone was nude. I just had graduated from seminary and I and I talked to my producing professor and I was like, I'm a Christian and I just don't feel like I can be on this film and miss church on Sunday to film with my classmates to film all these people naked for like 12 hours a day. And, and, and I was kind of like an early fresh Christian. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a new thing for me. And, 
you know, it's, 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 I think it's a matter of like what our witness is to as mm-hmm. artists, as filmmakers on set. I think, you know, cause we are ambassadors of Christ that could have gone both ways. Like that film school example, I excuse myself. And I think somewhat made a statement that I support you. I'll do any role you want on any other film. It's just that this film in particular, I think is just crosses a line for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a way too that I could have participated in that film and been the best crew member ever hmm. and just loved my crew well and been the one token Christian on hmm. the set. And at that point in my life, young as a Christian, 22 years old, 23, I didn't feel ready um, to, to just be in that kind of environment. Whereas um, other people, maybe more mature Christians would have. And so that's why I'm really adamant about not drawing lines because people have different i think the heart motivation is what matters most yeah and so people have different motivations to seeing movies making art being on set and that's something we have to continually check to see if it's Mm -hmm. in line with god's will and that's what i'm trying to do i will say this on on your um your 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 hesitance to draw Mm -hmm. lines is i remember because the lines are moralistic right um lines can are, are boxing uh constraining things but i remember i had a pastor i always remember this he said if we look at everything like a line well can i do this can i do that mm-hmm. can i do this can i do that then we're always going to feel pressed up against a line or wanting to cross over and he's about switching the concept in our head from it being a line to a direction and so mm-hmm. i think as artists all of us would agree that it's drawing lines might not be the best idea and probably is going to be too difficult to do. And I, and I haven't drawn like these really strict lines for yeah. what I will do or, or portray yeah. what I do do is I try to think directionally. Mm-hmm. It, am I moving in a direction that is towards God, that is towards bringing beauty to the world, that is towards restoration, that is towards redemption, that is towards hope, that is towards goodness for both the people I'm working with and the people who are going to see that. So for me, content, whatever I put in my art, and and anyone else, any artists out there, I think it would be a good idea for us to consider what direction are we trying to move in as we make this. So I, I agree with you, and this has been great. Yeah, thank you. So well, much I'm sorry, guys, we haven't saved Nathan or Spencer this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Next, time. Next time. Next time. Third yeah, time's a charm. We'll get you. um but yeah well that sounds a great end to the discussion and then now we will move on to our blesses and curses segment where oh i just saw spencer make a face he has i forgot about this segment this is fun well well, then we'll have you go last so you can think about it thank you anyway best for last for people who have for people who haven't um uh gone uh listen to us before this is the segment where we take a work of art media or resource that we want to bless or recommend and curse uh renounce tell you to stay away from something like that okay so um nathan uh would you like to start us off with your blesses and curses yeah yeah i will um i was actually came prepared this time rather than just hoping to come to wow me. it is a banner day <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna talk about um i'm gonna bless um, I'm, I'm gonna forget the title. It's a new movie. It's out right now by M. Night Shyamalan. Joseph, can you? Oh my God! I was gonna bless that. <laughs> nice. Okay. Good. Okay. What's the title? Uh, knock at the cabin. Knock at the cabin. Okay. So this knock at the cabin. Uh, we went in our Saturday night movie club. We went and saw Knock at the Cabin. Was it two couple weeks ago? And um, listen, there have not been a lot of great films. You know, Keely <laughs> and I were lucky enough to go and see all of the 
uh, many of the premieres for all the Oscar films and stuff this year. And uh, let's just say, you know, uh, we weren't ready to really enjoy a movie. It just been one of those like, <laughs> all right, I guess another one. And, you know, I'm a huge M. Night Shyamalan fan, have been for a long time. Um, can't say, you know, the old was his very best, but this new one was really, really good. And for a lot of reasons, it's not perfect. It's not, but everyone in the in our little movie club walked, walked out really, really liking it. But the reason I bring it up today is because this movie deals with some really heavy issues. This is, you know, dark issues. It deals with issues that are, um, that are deeply disturbing. And in my Shaman, by the way, he's not a, I don't believe he's a, a, a man of faith or anything like that. But for whatever reason, he made a movie about incredibly dark, um, disturbing things and did so in a way that one, to me, it didn't feel exploitative of the darkness. It explored the darkness without uh, exploiting it, whatever it might be. Uh, you have a practical example. Nathan. Cell phone internet. Nathan. <laughs> Nathan. Wait, we'll never know. I'll never know what's so great about Knock at the Cabin. I really <laughs> wanted to hear his curse too, but. Yeah, I know. The real cliffhanger. Yeah. The world may never know. Test, test, test. Test. Okay, yes. I curse it... Nathan's internet. <laughs> yes. Okay, we're. Yeah, I'm cursing my own internet. Uh, wait, where did I? Where... Uh, you're, you, um, you said that it was, um, it was doing disturbing, but not in an exploitative way. So here is a practical example of what I mean. Throughout the film, uh, and, and this, I want a spoiler, it's not a spoiler, but it's a little one. Um, people die. And it's-, it's <laughs> What? Every single time. What? And, and every time before someone dies, you are getting ready for the worst. I mean, you look at the tools they're having to kill these people. And so your mind is going, oh my gosh, I was ready to turn and like hide yeah. my eyes. Cause you know, seeing some of this stuff can be really disturbing. Um, hey, I'm calling out Ari Aster, even though I love your movies. Um, <laughs> but you get to this, the moment where the person's about to die and it cuts away. And interestingly enough in not showing a brutal execution, it doesn't, uh, how, do I, how do I say it? Um, it doesn't lose the resonance of the moment. And in fact, I think it actually enhances it and makes it more meaningful and actually more impactful by rather than getting distracted by, I can't wait to you know splatter blood everywhere. So um, whether you call that morality or just good artistic uh, decision-making, I have to say that yes, there is a possibility to tell really difficult stories, even have really difficult scenes without being exploitative of, of really difficult content. Um, so that's, I, and also it's just a really fun movie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, my curse is going to be um, this whole genre of films. By the way, everyone knows I love scary movies. I love scary mm -hmm. movies. Um, but there's a genre of scary movies I cannot abide. And it's a genre that I call it, it's, if you can imagine how terrible something is, they take it and glorify it and yeah. just uh, revel in it. You know, there, there's an old movie called I Spit yeah. on Your Grave. It has rape, it has violent sex, it has sexy violence, it has murder, and, and it's the entire movie is centered around trying to make the viewer um, either uncomfortable uh, and, and excited yeah. by the terrible things happening. And I think that is an example of art that 
I, I wouldn't even say gone too far. I, I would say isn't good as a result of what of this exploitative thing. So, uh, you know, so I spit on your grave, the terrifier, which had a, just a new one, terrifier too, human centipede. Um, and recently, you know, I even say movies like X, you know, you only need to read the, um, the description of what this is to know. I think this person just wanted to make a gross movie with lots of sex and lots of yeah. violence and it doesn't bring beauty to the world. That's so I, I, I got to curse those. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a really good, that's a really good. I, I, I I'm going to use this now from now on Spencer, you know, violent sex or sexy violence. That's, that's, that's good. Take it. It's your own <laughs> yes, okay, It's now mine. I invented it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I never thought of it before this podcast. So it was this dialogue. That's what we do. This, we help uh... you overthink into your grand thoughts that we steal from. <laughs> um but uh but the yeah i i think i will say this again yeah i i that's exactly why i was gonna bless um knock in the cabin as well because it 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 does make um it it does it actually taught me because i was like this Mm. did as a filmmaker i was like i didn't feel i didn't feel the horror any less and the darkness of what they're trying to get across any less from what they did um and yet they didn't show it exactly and so i would say to mm-hmm. and it, it almost felt more re- like it almost felt more yeah. um reverent and respectful in a way like how you know putting someone in a casket or covering themselves you know when uh, mm-hmm. when they're dead it almost felt there was a reverence there because of it so i would say for any young you know filmmakers who are trying to figure out how to ride this line like there's an example of how mm. somebody's done it and knock at the cabin so i would recommend it for that reason not just for audiences but for filmmakers who are trying to figure out how to ride that line um so i'm you know i'm gonna the i've blessed these before so i'm not gonna spend a lot of time on them you know i think you know if particularly for faith-based audience that often watches our films you know uh, you know, I can rattle off like three off the top of my head of, of movies that do this well. That's you know, obviously Passion of the Christ. You know, again, where it's like it does violence, but it does violence in a way that glorifies God and beauty and what's everything is good and beautiful. You know, um, you know, obviously Hacksaw Ridge and Father Stew. You know, Father Stew, it's got the language mm-hmm. thing, um, but it also, again, it it does redemption, but actually shows darkness. And ha- so, like, though, if, if yeah. again, from a faith-based context, you want to see what it's actually mm-hmm. like to glorify God and glorify what's good in the world um, while also being R-rated, these are examples of it, it being done. Um, I will also say, just briefly, the farthest I've ever seen something cross a line and still to me be redemptive is the movie uh, The Suicide Squad by James Gunn. And <laughs> what? yes, and I will no, I will say I will defend this movie because it definitely is a hard R, but what they actually do is they place you with characters who do treat life as if it's meaningless and trivial and make it as a joke. And as the characters start to realize that it's not and start to feel guilty about it, mm, you feel okay. guilty about trivializing oh. it too. And I was okay. like, that I I would it I nice. would be hesitant to kind of like say that that's a line I'd be willing to cross, but I can tell exactly what's going on here and I'm feeling the effect right now. Mm. And so I would say like that it, at the very har- mm. harshest of its boundary, um, I would say that's a way that it can still be redemptive potentially. I wouldn't recommend it still to you, Spencer, um, <laughs> because it does go there. Um, I did oh, see okay. it. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It does. It does go there, but it does show the moral yeah. change um um and so then okay so for curse i'm actually gonna curse i'm gonna curse um I, I, a couple that i think don't do it well i will say you know wolf of wall street and babylon 
you know, are movies that I think that um, a lot of people like. Or how did I get cut off? We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. I can see you. Now back to our show. Ah, all right, I'm back. Yes. Uh, and we're back after this brief yes, pause. exactly, to talk about how awesome, word from our sponsors. Exactly how awesome our editor is. What an odd thing to say. Um, but uh, then, um, uh, yes, sorry. I would say I would curse, um, you know, Wolf of Wall Street and Babylon. You know, ba the, it, Babylon, first of all, is just not that great a movie. I mean, there's good aspects to it, but it's not great. And it does revel in what's gross so that you shocks you with what's gross rather than, I remember watching that and saying, most of this is not necessary. Like, you know, 20% yeah. of this gratuitousness I would have liked to see because it would have made their point. And the rest of it is just here. Um, you didn't like the rattlesnake eating someone's neck? I mean, come on. Shockingly, shockingly, yes. Uh, some Somebody, uh, yes, uh, somebody peeing on somebody else and then dying is not, you know, my way of spending an, an afternoon. Yes. Um, that sounds real Christian. <laughs> yes. Is that um, what you want Christian movies to be, Spencer? Is that... <laughs> yes. ba Babylon uh, no. is what they show people to make them want think you should do christian films it's like yeah, this I is what hollywood is like yeah. <laughs> i finished that movie and goes i think i should watch you know fireproof now yes yes <laughs> um i will say but i'll even say wolf of wall street i think is worse because i i disagree with people on this but like i watched that movie and i said this glorified everything it was pretending that it didn't you know i i th mm. I, I think the people the things that felt that gave you the most high and it felt the most energizing, exciting. The energy that was from it was from all the awful stuff. And, well, and this and, is evidenced by Jordan Belfort or Belfont yeah. going on to have a hugely successful celebratorial <laughs> career yeah. where he mostly recounts the grossest and craziest stories. Well, so and, and, and the you... movie ends with him saying, wait a minute. I'm still rich, so I get out of jail and I'm going to give self-help talks. And so it's like, you know, it it really does. They pretend it doesn't glorify it, but it does. And you can tell it by what it spends time on and what it, you know, all of that. So I, I have to curse it from that perspective. And I will also, I'm going to curse just on the other hand, because one of the things it's we haven't talked about is it is possible to be family friendly and still be in the wrong direction, as you said, Nathan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yes. possible. To say, and so I'm going to, I, I, I try to figure out ones I haven't done in a while. I'm going to, I'm going to curse the princess cut again, just because that is a Christian oh. film that is. Never heard of it. Th th you know, you don't save yourself. Keep your, keep your Never virgin eyes well. closed. There's an interesting review of it. On because, yes. And it, because, and it, it, yeah, don't watch, don't watch the movie. Watch Sagan and I, Kevin's review. Oh, well. Um, But, oh, great. but it's. It basically does say, you know, it's it's family friendly, but it lies to the audience about what romantic relationships should look like, you know, and how to do it. And mm -hmm. I think that lying to your audience is another way of breaking the rule to love your neighbor. You're not allowed to lie to yeah. people and audiences people. So that's why I would put um, in my curses. OK, now, Spencer, you had enough time. Uh, what do you have a bless and a curse? I have a few. I, I would like to also <laughs> curse. Babylon. Mm. Uh, just so disappointing. I think ever Seriously. since Damien just Chazelle's Oscar was stolen from him, he never recovered. And he's still <laughs> trying to he's still trying to get back at everyone with every new film he makes. Um man, it's just so sad. It's like I saw that movie, and that one third of it is brilliant, yes. hilarious, artistic, yep. um, historic, great performances. 
one third is disgusting and vile and gross and one third is boring and indulgent so mm, yeah i mean paramount you know greenlit that for what was it 60 80 million Oh my and gosh. as an independent filmmaker, it just really hurts my heart <laughs> that such money was wasted on such. Can I just have one sixtieth of that. I or know twentieth of it. No, uh, uh, big budget bad movies hurt your filmmaker friends most of all, doesn't yes. it? Like how yeah. did how did who greenlit the waste of all this money and resources? I mean, people are upset about a twenty million ad about Jesus at the Super Bowl. Look at Babylon. <laughs> yeah. it's all right, true. that's my it's curse. True. And I'll bless. Uh, there's a lot I'd like to bless. I, I would, I would bless. I, well, I'll say this: Jesus Revolution is coming out this week. It's the Irwin Brothers. It's a faith-based film. Oh snap! And I, it might be one of the first movies I'm gonna go see in theaters in a long time, just because I love Kelsey Grammer. I like that whole. His, yeah, love that whole historic situation. And each time the Irwin Brothers get a new film through Lionsgate, I think it gets a little bit better, and I'm excited to see what they do with this important historic moment even in light of the recent asbury revival and everything that the country's going through and in the church yeah we're i'm, see I'm hopeful for it okay. nice so we're hopeful too not terribly hopeful but hopeful nonetheless i'm hopeful i I, support. I, I just came out with a review of it and you can see my review um no spoilers i have no spoilers yes I'm, I'm 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 keeping my mouth shut yes i'm gonna read your review after this is it worth <laughs> seeing yes Cool. Great. <laughs> well, wonderful. Well, I look awesome. forward to it. The other blesses or, or do we cover it all? Well, Nathan, when you were telling me to prepare for this podcast, um, there was also an example of a bad film that uses, you know, either sex or violence in a bad way and a film that uses sex and violence in a good way. Um, potentially not exactly that dichotomy, but you know, Schindler's list had nudity in it. And yet um... I think it was justified and it showed just how degraded mm. humans can be treated. Um, but then too, nudity was censored in everything, everywhere, all at once. Whenever the security guard is doing the Kung Fu move bottomless at, um, you know, the, the main character. And I was very appreciative that he was censored because no one wanted to see that. <laughs> so there's my, <laughs> There's my examples. So it can be done well and blah, blah, blah. And that's, again, another thing we talk about is that there is a distinction between um, a por something that's pornographic and nudity. Yeah. You know, yeah. there can, there can, and so Schindler's List is a great example of that. Right. So we lost Nathan again. We did lose Nathan again. <laughs> <laughs> this has uh, definitely been a, a trying podcast <laughs> to get Joseph, through. I'm going to call you from his new apartment and see if the internet works before he signs the lease <laughs> thank you thank you yeah i'm back yes oh hey we were totally so, not making fun of your, the internet yes oh man how is that cricket internet going <laughs> well i guess it's going all right <laughs> it's crickets oh there's my dad joke there you go. Oh my gosh. Oh, he's no. gone. <laughs> God, he's just completely gone. Okay, well, we'll wait for him to come back and then we'll then we'll wrap up. So Nathan, share so, you can bring in some elevator music here. Totally. Joseph, didn't I see that you recently produced a film or I am I am I am working on it. I'm in pre-production right now. Exciting. So, Congratulations. I am very excited. Yes. No, it's I, I look forward yeah, well, to seeing what you create. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Nathan's back. It may be kind of a little bit. There we are. Are you back, Nathan? 
Okay, awesome. Well, this has been great. I think we've kind of covered everything. Um, Spencer, if people like what you have to say, I don't know why, but if they do and, and they're excited about your work and want to support you, where can they go to reach you and talk to you or support your work? Hardfaith.com. Nice. And, and also, uh, because I'm so good at writing bios, uh, you can go watch his films. If you want to see a film that's done by a Christian about faith, um, but actually explores darkness and the difficulties of the world, go watch Generational Sins or Shooting Heroin. They're out pretty much anywhere you can watch movies. I'm in one of them. So check out Oh, yes, that. you're at the bar. That's really the reason to go yeah. watch. Yes. Yeah. And so make sure to go watch... Um, uh, that, that I think one of the reasons I love Spencer is because he really walks this line and as a faith-based filmmaker explores the stuff that faith-based filmmakers need to be and Christian artists need to be exploring. So do check out, out his films. Also, um, on that plug, go buy my book, buy my book. <laughs> do it. Uh, at Finding God in Hollywood. Uh, both of these guys' names is, are in there. They endorsed it at, at gunpoint. Um, so, uh, go, Under duress. Go it it was book. a sexy gunpoint. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> but go by uh, Finding God in Hollywood. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to NathanClarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. And you can find me on any of the socials as well and josephholmstudios.com. We would, yes, love to have you at the Overthinkers Facebook group as well. Have great discussions like this. Nathan and I are on there. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, this has been this has been fantastic. You can also check out my uh, reviews and cultural commentary of uh, at religionunplugged.com. Also, I have an article in Relevant about uh, why Hollywood thinks we live in a dystopia, even though we don't. So That's a good article. Uh, <laughs> Thank Read you. It. Read yes. audience. It's actually really good. I'm really glad Thank that you're like a modern critic and you know writer for discussing these things. Uh, you're a good voice for. Oh, this stop! Keep going. True. Uh, <laughs> um, well, and it's good to have a critic in your pocket as a filmmaker yes, exactly. because you know all you got to do is Joseph can be bought. God, I'm kidding. Everyone, he can. No, he, he can't. But and if they, you do want to buy me, you can go to theoverthinkersjournal.com. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yes. Anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. This has been a really fun episode. You may think we've had too much fun, but I disagree. Um, and remember, and thank you. Oh, yes. And thank you, Spencer, so much for being on our show. And thank remember, you for having me. You're welcome. Uh, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.